was thinking about. fathers. I was thinking about the father this morning. And how good he is. And I was thinking about John. And what a good father he is. And I was remembering you know when you remember where you came from before you were saved and how lost we all were and I was thinking about um, where I came from and I was I was remembering um, my life uh, before when I was married before and how desperate uh, I was and how dry in love I was and um, that I literally had to flee the nation of Mexico uh, from an abusive and adulterous husband and um, and I all I had was three suitcases and my daughters to start my life over again and the Lord and the, my father was so kind that he brought a, a man into my life who, I'm sorry, who loved me so well that he taught me what love is. And he has been such an amazing father to my daughters. And he changed our lives with his love and his kindness. And I was thinking about Father and how our Father is really a man of steel, like Superman. And it's his, his kindness and his humility and his meekness and his generosity and all of the things that the world wouldn't consider to be steel is who John is. And it, and it changed my daughter's lives because the trajectory of where they were headed with how they had been fathered was to be fatherless in their hearts and to be sons who rebel and sons who reject. But because God brought a father who came around them like a Psalm 91 father, and brought safety into their lives and a steadiness into their lives. It changed the trajectory of their lives. And it put them on a path where they could receive love. And today my girls are um, serving the Lord and loving the Lord. And they are so filled with love. They receive love so well. And they give love so well because they receive love so well. And so I was thinking about all of this, and so I just want to honor you, John. I love you, and, and you're a good steward over, you're a good father over this house, and how you love so many of your spiritual children. And so I, I just praise God for you, and how you changed my heart. You know, and I was thinking about the father, and, and if you think about it, those of us that have children, we understand this. 
with our children. We love our children so much. I mean, it's crazy how when you have a child, your life just gets wrecked because you think, how is it possible that I could love this little person that has never done anything to, to earn my love? And it, the word says that God so loved us. Not just us, but he so loved the world. He so loved the world, the whole world. And for every generation, every child that's born and even unborn that goes on to be with him. Every child is so loved. He so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it's that kind of love that wrecks us. It's that kind of love that we can really receive because he's a, such a good father. He is a man of steel. He is a, he is a faithful father 100% of the time. And he doesn't know how to be anything other than that. 100% faithful. And his nature is kindness. And he draws us into himself through his loving kindness. And that his words over us are good. His words over us are true. And his words over us is everything, all of the best of who he's created us to be. He speaks that over us. And he's an approachable father. And one of the things that I've, le I've learned in my life is that, is that as I have learned to receive the Father's love, it's transformed me into being a good son. You know, when he calls us sons, he's talking, it's not gender specific. We're all called to be sons. And this morning, what I wanted to talk to you about is I wanted to talk to you about the sons of God. There's so much that the Father has in his heart for you individually. You were actually born in a generation. Have you ever thought about this? Because every generation passes away. Every generation dies except for the last one. And he calls that generation in his word the capstone. The last one. He's bringing the capstone. He's bringing the capstone. And I believe that we are in that generation. That we will see him come. And he will come on a white horse. And we will be caught up away. I don't know if I will see that, but I know that my children, and I believe that my children will see this. And he's coming. He's coming for a marriage. He's coming for love. He didn't give the father, gave his only son because he so loved the world. Not that he was angry with the world. It was because his heart was filled with so much love and longing to have his sons back with his, in his heart. Yeah. 
And so it's his love that changes us and it's his love that transforms us. And this morning as I was worshiping, I saw this river of fire come. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking for this river of fire to come. Let it come. Let us see and experience fire this morning. Because I want to talk to you this morning about something and I want to take your eyes up from your own personal encounter with God and I want you to begin to think about what it is to be a generation of sons and what it is to be a generation that thinks beyond themselves. So we're not so, as, as Vince said in his um, latest Facebook thing, we're not so self-focused, but we actually begin to focus on a generation. And what is the cry of the heart of the father? His cry is for his sons. And it's not only is it personal, but it's plural. He's talking about an entire generation of sons. Really? Microphone. No, 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 I don't need it. This morning I want to talk to you about, we're going to have two services, this service and the service next Sunday. And I want to talk to you, next Sunday is going to be an impartation service. So I want you to come and I want you to bring as many people as you can. I recently went to um, the School of Fire by Reinhard Bonnke. I don't know how many of you know Reinhard Bonnke. Um, I'm going to show a clip in a minute of one of his um, services. And... Um, the Lord provided for me to go. It was invitation only. And I kind of took the hinges off the back door and squired an invitation. Uh, it, really. It, I heard about it and my heart it, within me leapt and I said I have to have what it is that this man is giving. And it was such a privilege because for several reasons. The Lord told him, he has done, let me tell you who he is, Reinhard Bonnke has done crusades in Africa. And the Lord told him that Africa would be washed with the blood of Jesus. And, and so several years ago, starting in the 70s, he went to Africa. And since that, since 1987, he has seen 72 million confirmed salvations. Not just confirmed salvations, but um, um, discipled salvations. Yeah. And so he has worked with local churches all throughout Africa. And these people, think about that, 72 million. It's an entire continent that is coming into the kingdom. And they have a saying from, from something to Cairo. What is it from... It's, it's from the bottom of the, the Cape, Town. Cape Town to Cairo. Thank you. From, from the Horn of Africa all the way to Cairo. And so he's, he has actually, uh, he, said, he said he went through the first part of his life from prophecy to prophecy to prophecy. And now he has reached an age where he's going from fulfillment to fulfillment to fulfillment. And he said that the, the rate of multiplication that's happening right now is incredible. And he quoted Zachary. 
Zechariah 4, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit will an entire nation be saved. And, and for those of you that know, we are the house of Zerubbabel, that then the foundation of our message is out of Zechariah 4. And so today I'm going to paint a picture for you about the sons. And so, Father, I ask right now that you would come and that you would open up our brains, that we can handle what the Spirit is saying this morning. I realize it's a Sunday morning, but I want each one of you to not only engage with your hearts, because God is saying he's sending a message out to the church in this hour for the nation of America, for the city of Dallas, because Dallas shall be saved and America shall be saved and he sent me to this school and I and, and you can think to yourself well it was just a school no it wasn't just a school because it was the last school that he will have in America every person that came to that school was handpicked by him he went through every application, beloved, and let me tell you, there were a lot of applications. Everybody knows who this man is, and when this man who is a general or a father in the faith says, I am going to train people, and then at the end of the time that I train them, I am going to lay hands on them, and there's going to be an impartation of fire. Now, I went to this school over a month ago, and, but I said to myself, I'm not even going to talk about this school until I know that I have received an impartation. And beloved, I can tell you that within my heart, he took the anointing that I was walking in and he took like a flame of fire and God just threw it through this man and it ignited the oil within me. And I have within me now just not the oil of intimacy that I have, that I have cultivated in that pray, place of prayer. I have that. I have that. But what I have in addition is I have a fire within me to see America saved. And I know that in this generation we are going to see that event take place. Yeah. And I believe with my whole heart that he has called us as this generation in this city and as this house to go about to see that that happens. And it's going to come not by might nor by power, but it's going to come by his spirit. Let me just tell you what it was like, what this man was like as a father in the faith. He... Um, while we were sitting there, one of the, some of the traits that he really walks in, um, I, I really felt like I was sitting at the feet of an apostle. Well, I, I, I really was. I mean, the man, just the greatness of this man. Um, it was greatness and honor. I, I, I was so taken by how much honor he walks in. How much honor he walks in. How much honor he gives. How much honor his whole organization gives to him. The, 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 the level of excellence in their organization and how they have not only cultivated honor within their organization, but everywhere they go, they create a culture of honor. How they honor the local church. How they honor the pastors who they work with. How they honor the people that they're saving. And because of that, you can see 
everybody, when the heart of a father steps up to the podium, and it doesn't, it's not gender specific, but when someone carries within them a heart of the father, the people's hearts open to that reality, and they begin to come forward in it. Amen? He had greatness in fruit, greatness in honor, greatness in humility, greatness in wisdom, and greatness in impartation. Are we ready? All right. Jesus Christ is Lord! Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, but at the name of Jesus every name. Amen. Powerful. There are four and a half million people on that field. It's more than the city of Dallas. 
can a city be saved in a day? I am telling you, this is coming to this nation and we're going to see this reality in our day. Reinhardt is a wonderful father in the faith. And he's learned the lessons about how to be a son and what it is to be a son. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Zechariah 4 and just keep, your, keep it there. We're going we're gonna to read out of Zechariah 4 today. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the house of Zerubbabel. You may ask yourself, why are you called the house of Zerubbabel? I ask myself that all the time. <laughs> because it's not really a very clever marketing ploy, and it, it certainly wouldn't want, you know, because you say it to people, where do you go to church, and you say the haws, and they go, what? The what? The house? The haws? The hose? The what? I mean, we've, we've heard it all, and I, and I keep telling the Lord, you know, can you, can you work with me here? I, I'm sure we could come up with something better than that, and he said, yeah, well, this is, this is what I, I'm calling it, and I have my reasons for it. And so I wanted to take you guys back a little, and I'm just going to go as far as I'm going to go today, but, I, I, but there is going to be an impartation service of the fire that I received from this man of God next week, but I feel like I need to talk to you a little bit and set up um, a belief system because some people really don't believe that they're going to receive fire. Or that, you know, you're, you have the anointing. The, the anointing, it comes from the baptism of Pentecost. It comes from the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the anointing, the fire that, that rests upon you and the, and, and the anointing that, that is in you, right? When you have somebody that has this kind of anointing and it's anointing for a nation, and Reinhardt said during our time together that the Lord in January gave him a dream that America shall be saved. So he is shifting his crusades from Africa to America. Because the Lord said, I have the seeds that have been sown from this nation to harvest the nation of Africa. I am now coming back. And the seeds that have been sown from the fathers of this nation and from the wealthy from this nation to pay for the crusades, the Lord said, I am now going to honor the fathers of America and I'm going to bring salvation to America. Amen? Amen. I'm a missionary. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And every person in this room has that title. When I first got saved, guys, how I got saved was incredible. It was a true Damascus Road experience. The Lord broke into my life. And he said these words to me. I didn't even know God spoke. I didn't know God had words. I didn't realize that, that, that there was any reality of God other than I, I was part of the frozen chosen. I just went to church, punched my clock. Okay, I'm in. I get to, into heaven because I go to church. I mean, I, that was about as far as it went. I'd never read the Bible. I, I just, I was, I was, a, I was a, a pew warmer. I, I, you know, I just went because I thought it would, was good morals. I just listened to what somebody else told me about Jesus. It was bad. I didn't like worship, so I came late. Well, I didn't like prayer, 
So we stayed for the word and they had designer coffee. So that's about as far as I got. Um, the Lord broke into my life and he said this over me, rebuild my temple. I mean, what do you do with that, right? <laughs> Basically, I'm an unbeliever, never read the Bible, rebuild my temple. I'm thinking, I'm not Jewish. Why are you talking to me about this? <laughs> That's about how educated I was. But, the, but what he was trying to say to me is, first of all, he saved me with a command. He broke into my life with a command. And after that time, I went into a, a, a three weeks of open revelation. And what that means, open revelation, is that I was seeing in the spirit with my eyes. I was hearing his voice very clearly. And at the time, I didn't know what to do with this. But today, I have an understanding about what he meant when he said the temple. He was not talking about a building, but he was actually talking about the Hebrews temple. That, that he is rebuilding the temple, his individual temples. And he said, I want you to rebuild my temple. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the spirit of God dwells in you? So later on, I had a dream of um, um, a prophetic dream. How, uh, how many of you know sometimes in your life you'll have a dream and it's a marker dream, meaning it's a destiny dream. You realize that, that God has just broken in and he is, he is putting the pieces together and he's actually commissioning you in a dream. And so I had this dream um, where I was pregnant and the father of the baby was Zerubbabel. And that's kind of strange. Um, in and of itself and I'm so I'm, I'm left with this this okay rebuild my temple and Zerubbabel's baby so Zerubbabel is in Zechariah 4 right so a message an angel of the Lord comes to Zechariah and speaks to Zerubbabel and who this Zerubbabel guy is is he's, he's a pretty cool guy, and most of the church d does not know who he is, but yet the, the uh, significance of Zerubbabel for this last generation is huge. So when God breaks into your life and he begins to give you a prophetic message that doesn't have a lot of understanding, you have to ask him certain questions. First of all, who is Zerubbabel? What is his significance? And why are you talking to me about this guy? Right? So you kind of go through the questions. And so I wanted to address some of these this morning. So who is this guy, Zerubbabel, and why am I having his baby? <laughs> John said to me one time, he goes, honey, I wish you'd quit going around telling people you're having another man's baby. It's kind of freaking me out. I said, oh, it's okay. It's all prophetic. And he's like, yeah, still. Love ya. <laughs> all right. So Zerubbabel, what did he do? He led the second exodus out of Babylonian captivity. He led the children out of Babylon. Babylon means confusion. So I want you to think about this in terms of your generation and in terms of, of the sons of God and what they're called to do. So he led them out of confusion. How many of you would agree we've got a little confusion going on right now? When somebody's saying one thing and doing another, what is that the epitome of? Confusion. It's deception. And who is Satan? The deceiver, 
right? And so what is he going to do? He's going to take something and he's going to twist it so that you're confused and you're not really sure what the truth is because it sounds like one thing and it's, it's just laced with so much deception. And when you're confused, you can't see what? The truth. So Zerubbabel, number one, he led the second exodus. Number two, he built the second temple. Isn't that crazy? Now we know David, we know Solomon, right? They were all busy about doing the first temple. They're famous. Those guys, you know who they are, right? But this Zerubbabel guy, he not only did one thing, he's like, hey, I did what Moses did and I did what David and Solomon did. Come on, guys. <laughs> But I believe that God kept him hidden for the last generation. Because the message of Zerubbabel is right now being uncovered so that the last generation can lay hold of it and say, that's right, this is who we are. And so the temple that Zerubbabel built is actually a spiritual symbol of the New Testament believer. And so in Zechariah 4, when you read through Zechariah 4, you're going to see that Zerubbabel is actually a type of Jesus. Has anybody's head exploded yet? Okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to read Zechariah 4. Not the whole thing. Praise the Lord. But I really encourage you, if you want to know more about Zechariah, um, about, I'm sorry, about Zerubbabel, they both start with a Z, Right. Um, and then there's Zephaniah, and then there, okay, no, Zerubbabel, <laughs> I, as Samuel said to me yesterday, he goes, Mom, if you're having Zerubbabel's baby, he could be called Zerubbababy. <laughs> that is an awesome name, Samuel. Just gotta laugh. I love 13-year-old boys. All right, so let's start in um, Zechariah 4.2. All right, the angel comes and he wakes him up as a man that is wakened out of sleep. That's in verse 1. Now, he wakes him up as a man that's wakened out of sleep. That doesn't mean he was sleeping. That means that he was spiritually slumbering. That means that he was dull in his heart. The eyes of his heart were dull. Condition of the church. And he said to me, what do you see? And he says, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold. Can you put the picture up? I have a diagram here I want to show you. Um, I'm looking and there's a lampstand of solid gold with a bowl on top. And on the stand, seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it. And one is at the right of the bowl and the other at his left. And so then he goes on and he, and he begins to inquire about what these things are. And he answers in verse 12, if you go down in verse 12, and the rest of this has so much meat and so much, but this is not where I'm focusing today because I'm really focusing on these two trees. In verse 12, and I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of the two golden pipes, which the golden oil drains? Then he answered me and he said, do you not know what these are? I love what the angel says to him. It's like, I, I know this is the same angel that must be talking to me because he'll say to me all the time, listen, do you not know what these are? Well, I just asked the question, what are these? And he's like, do you not know? Do you not know, Tracy, really? Have you and I been hanging out together this long? And it's like, no, my Lord, come on, help me out. 
These are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. And so he's saying these two trees are actually the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. These two anointed ones are Zerubbabel and Joshua, who was the high priest. Zerubbabel was the governor of Judah, who, and these two guys built the second temple. And so the Lord had two people building the second temple. He had a priest and he had a king. Because Zerubbabel was in the royal line of David. And so those two elements, those two offices are the government of God. When you hear, the, 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 when you hear about governmental authority and what the sons are supposed to be walking in, what he's saying, the words anointed ones here in verse 14 actually means sons of oil. Now, Christ, who lives in us, Christ is a title for Jesus. It is Jesus Christ. It is a title that is given to him, and the, and the Greek meaning of Christ is the anointed one. So when Christ came, when you, were, when you were saved and baptized and baptized in the Holy Spirit, Christ came to live on the inside of you. The very anointing of God lives on the inside of you. So it says that you are the anointed ones. That he was coming for sons. The father was coming to give birth to sons and call the sons back into himself. And they now are anointed. And these two trees are the anointed ones. And what flows from them is this anointing. And this anointing oil flows spontaneously from these anointed ones, from that place of cultivating the place of intimacy. And then the anointing, that oil drips down into the seven churches. Brilliant. It's the in and out story. And it's not a hamburger place. <laughs> How are they make really good hamburgers there? It's the in and out. It's the in and out. It's the priest and the king. In Revelation 1, Jesus says, I have, I, I came to make you both priests and kings to my God. That he came as an example of our high priest and the king of kings. And he said, I'm going to show you what this life looks like. And it's what we have been called to do here in this house. Not just teach you how to be priests through a house of prayer. But then to release you in the, as kings in the earth that will go and preach the gospel with power. All right, turn in your Bibles to, um, 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 let me see if I have this written down. Uh, Elisha and the widow. Hold on. Here we go. Um, Second Kings 4. I'm not going to go through and read the whole thing, but the story is Elijah comes to a woman whose husband is dead. And um, 
Well, okay, I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, chapter 4, verse 1. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord. And the creditor is coming to take my sons to be his slaves. And Elijah said to her, what shall I do for you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. And he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from your neighbors, empty vessels, and do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you, and your sons then pour it into all of those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him, shut the door behind her, and her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Beloved, I'm telling you, what happened right here is a picture of the harvest. How many of you want to see more anointing? Raise your hand. Okay. This is a picture of how to take what we have and let it catch on fire. Because what happened is she had the oil of intimacy in her jar, in her vessel. And he said, Elijah said to her, now, when you go and begin to pour out that oil into all of those empty vessels, into all of the vessels that are empty, they don't have the anointing of Christ. They don't have the Christ within them. They are not sons of oil. They are the lost. They are the harvest. When you begin to pour out that oil, what happens is that your oil will never cease. Yeah. And you will begin to spring forth oil into the nations and it will pour forth from you. It's like a seed that continues to get multiplied. It gets multiplied and multiplied and multiplied. You want power? Give away power. You want power? Give away oil. You want to raise the dead? Go and start praying for dead people. I'm telling you, we have to quit thinking that church experience is learning more about Jesus. But actually, what we're here to do is just to strengthen one another so that we can go out and do the works of the kingdom. I don't care if you're an Indian chief. I don't care if you're a shoemaker. I don't care what you do. Your, your job is to spread the oil, to pour oil in these empty vessels. And the minute that the vessels ceased, the oil ceased. And so I asked the Lord, I said, tell me about this oil. Tell me about this anointing. Turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 61. Are you feeling that? Are you feeling that? He loves it when we talk about him. Jesus said in Luke 4.18, he grabbed Isaiah 61 in the temple. And he said, this day, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And he read Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me. The Lord has anointed me with this oil. 
And here's why. To preach the good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim the liberty of the captives. To the captives. The opening and the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And the day of the vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. And to console those who mourn in Zion. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of the praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. I am telling you, beloved, this is upon us here now. The harvest has now bent over and it is ready for the laborers to go out in the field. God released a prayer movement all throughout America, all throughout the nations, so that he could cultivate oil of intimacy and that his vessels could get full for the purpose of then pouring ourselves out into the nation. But you're going to need fire in that oil because he said, my ministers are flames of fire. That everywhere they go, they will touch and they will cook that bread really nice and hot. Yeah. Amen? Oh, Jesus. Jesus is hearing. Can you hear the voice of the bridegroom? Because he's hearing the voice of the bride. Because the spirit and the bride are crying, come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. So what he does here is this. Um, I'm going to give you some prophecies real quick. And you can look them up on our website. They're going to be available really soon. Because I want to tie this up so that everybody can go have lunch with their fathers. But while you're there, I'd like for you to save the restaurant that you're in. Come on. Whatever. Give away your oil. Prophesy. Words of knowledge. Heal the sick. Cast out demons. The world is waiting for what you have. The Lord keeps telling me it is time to go. It is time to go. And I said to myself, well, Lord, I'm, I'm an intercessory missionary. And he said, exactly. Intercessory missionary. Put wheels on that bus and go. <laughs> Come on. I went to Walmart the other day and um, this is a picture of the harvest. I went to Walmart the other day and I'm standing there in line and I'm paying and a woman turns to me and um, she's with her two companions and a tear falls out of her eye and she said, will you pray for me? Now, I have nothing on me, and I purposely don't wear a cross around my neck because I don't want people to know I'm Christian by my jewelry. I want them to know I'm a Christian by my fire. And what happens is people come into the, the realm of the, of the anointing, and, and they forget themselves. They forget their manners, and they forget themselves. They forget that they have to hide. And so all of a sudden, they begin to tell you things about themselves that typically they wouldn't do. How many of you guys know this? Okay, that's one way that the Spirit opens the hearts of the lost so that we can save them. If you pray for healing for someone, I encourage you, don't leave it there. Go in and get them saved. I don't want a bunch of healed people walking around and still going to hell. Amen? All right, so this woman says to me, would you pray for me? And she starts telling me her story. Now, how does she know that I can pray for her? 
Because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord, the anointing is on me. And I, I, I heard the Lord, so I prayed for her and I asked her, I said, do you know Jesus? And she said, yes, ma'am, I know Jesus and Jesus knows me. <laughs> How many of us can say that? So again, do you know Jesus? Do you know my Jesus? Because Jesus is wonderful. We have to start preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel. And it says preach the gospel, then heal the sick. And if you heal them, that gospel better be right before it because it is a two-handed punch. Bam, bam, you're gone. <laughs> I'm shocked at how easy it is to preach the gospel and I'm shocked at how many people say yes. It's like nine out of ten people say yes, and you're going, really? <laughs> no, I mean, really, of course you're saying yes, but I didn't really say it would be that easy. It's that easy because the harvest is ripe. Yeah. Because the minute that the anointing breaks in, that's the truth. And they're dying to hear the truth. And you guys are these two trees, your priests and kings. And I don't care, again, what you do. Go out and be a king wherever it is. Your office needs to be saved. Your uh, people that you work with need to be saved. So here's, uh, there are so many prophecies over the, the city of Dallas, but I will, they're going to be available, like I said, online. But let me tell you a lot of what they say. I was shocked. They actually talk a lot about Zerubbabel. Who knew, right? Um, and they talk about the spirit of Zerubbabel and it, and, it, and it participating, or the spirit of Zerubbabel actually awakening the city of Dallas and that once the city of Dallas is awakened, it will serve as a key to awaken the entire nation of America. You can read those for yourself. You can get them. They're available online. I would have given you all of the prophetic words, but Anne-Marie said to me, no, no, those are 10 pages long. So um, you can go online and print those out for yourself. But it's very important that you not only know the prophecies for your own personal life, but you have the prophecies for your city and the prophecies for your nation so that you can get into alignment with those words. Recently, four prophets have said that the... That the um, the revival that's coming, the, the reformation, the apostolic reformation, and apostolic just means government. It just means the government of God, right? The government of the United States is what? Thank, uh, no, 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 no. It's um, executive, legislative, and judicial. The government of God is priestly and kingly, okay? So these are the offices that you function in when you function in the government. Um, the oil that you are going to be producing, are, are gonna, it's going to do three things. It's the oil that spontaneously flows through you into the seven churches or, or the nations. It's the oil that's cultivated in the place of intimacy with Jesus. And it's the oil for the purpose of giving away and flowing out. So next week, what we are going to do, Kat, you want to come on up? Next week, what we're going to do is I want you to spend the week and I want you to really think about what it is that the Lord is doing in your life. I want you to reflect because each one of us have come to a point in our lives where we are, we are no longer satisfied with just playing church. I mean, if you're in the house as a rule, come on, you're either serious or, or, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to say the other, but seriously, I mean, the house is a rule, the Haas. God has brought you here because he's calling his sons in this city, in this nation to cultivate the place of that anointing, to, to have that life in God, and then let that life in God get ignited.
And so I want you to think about this week and I want you to meditate on what has God spoken to you. What is the call and the destiny on your life? And then come here ready next week to receive a fire to, towards that anointing. Now, I, like I said, I've spent about a month, almost six weeks now, really praying about this because I wanted to make sure that I got it. And you're going to get this. It is a real thing. And I'm telling you, Reinhard Bonnke will be in your head like he's in mine. And it's not a man, but it is, it is the, it is the king. It is the office of the king. All of a sudden, you are going to get ignited with faith, with glory, and a heart for the harvest. when you go to those places you have the heart this morning that I was showing for the father you're so in love with the father that you have to go get his kids and his kids are a lot of his kids are in the churches still lost his kids are out there on the highways and the byways and after you receive this anointing like he showed me the other day when that woman at Walmart came up to me. He said, I told you it's time to go. The fish are actually jumping in your boat. And he said, this is going to be so easy because it's going to come not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. Because it, we have come to a time where the, the wheat fields are now, all the wheat is laying down. So easy to harvest. So easy to harvest. Amen.